With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. What a weekend, what a game. Longhorns fortunate to win, but never apologize for a W. Longhorns went from 27-7 and in control of that game. In about two minutes and 18 seconds and about eight plays, it was tied. And it was only tied, Rod, because they botched the extra point. <laughs> it was going to be behind 28-27. Uh, that's how football goes sometimes. And certainly uh, Longhorn fans happy to be 8-1, happy to be number seven in the country, a resilient physical team, but at the same time, Sark's unwillingness to take three points at the end of the first half, build a 20-point lead, uh, has people fired up. Also, the uh, the coverage inability late in the game as Will Howard got hot. The turnovers with a with a quarterback who is uh, is learning his way. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It was drama, Rod. Drama. Like TNT, they do love the drama. Uh, I tweet this out. This team is flawed. That's in, you know, it's certainly flawed. There's no doubt about it. But um, they show a tremendous amount of team grit um, and they got f- good football character um, and I think that's why they can pull out these games late and it's, that's a credit to the culture that Sark has built also a credit just to the leadership that's on the team uh, these guys are finding a way to pull out these games now should these games be this close when you're up by 20 21 points right against U of H and against K-State probably not but you got a backup quarterback in there all right so that's, those are growing pains that you got to deal with, and you got to find a way to pull out the game and win the game in spite of the mistakes you've made and the growing pains of your young quarterback, and that's what I respect about this team, and they found a way to win the game in the end and it's their second game-winning goal line stand. So I think it started with the defense and them shutting down K-State uh, and making taking away K-State's identity, which is their running game. They're a top five rushing offensive country. And I think it ended with the defense with a game-winning goal line stand. So I think that was appropriate. Offensively, eh, I mean, there are a lot of uh, topics that we can discuss. I'm sure people wanted to critique some of the play calling from Sark and his game management, his feel of the game, something that I've brought up several times. Uh, but I'll I'll just say that – with your backup quarterback in there, and sometimes you know the backup quarterback situation, I think throws off some of the play calling uh, decisions for Sark. And yes, he's, he, he's a little erratic too in play calling because of the backup quarterback. And usually his quarterback Quinn would make some, he would hit on some of those throws. They are calculated risks that Sark likes to take because risk management is also something he's got to take into account. But those calculated risks would pay off for him if his quarterback was more accurate with the backup quarterback. Well, uh, the conversation goes to, well, why wouldn't you run the ball more with the backup quarterback? Why even put him in that position? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that's fair. Uh, yeah. Same time, as you said, without taking the deep shots and passing the ball against the, the advantage coverage that they had, 
they wouldn't have had the lead. You don't get the big lead. You don't get the big lead, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you got to take the good with the bad. And as you said, Sark is who he is. I like I said all last week. Take the points. I you know the Red Cat play out of shotgun at fourth and two. And to, oh, they had it to go up twenty. I mean, it was going to be there, it, it but the uh, kid dropped the ball. Uh, this was one of those games uh, where you know I thought Sark called a real good game, but he also can't go make all the plays too, right? Uh, Malik Murphy can't throw that ball on a screen pass where Jonathan Brooks never gets out of traffic and he just throws it to whoever. Uh, that can't happen. Uh, but it did. Uh, you know, Savion Red's got to catch the ball and, you know, go convert a fourth down. But at the same time, it's not wrong for, for an observer to say, you know what, make it 20 to nothing. Take the points. Because they get the stop, and just like we've seen before, they get the momentum because they got to stop. Yep. Uh, and it's almost like a turnover. It is. Uh, Feels like you're, it. Yeah, because you're down, they're down in your, your neck of the woods, and you get a stop, and they get no points and don't stretch the lead. That's momentum that you just, uh, you know, didn't take advantage of. Just you know, getting three points to go up 20 to nothing kicking off again, all that that goes on with that. Uh, but Sark continually is going to go ahead and go for it. We know that. And at this point, they're not a good red zone offense, even though they did score from the red zone in that, that uh, yeah, Jonathan Brooks run. They're, they're not a good red zone offense. They're not. They're and bad. they're not yeah. good in two-minute drill defense. I mean, yeah. these are two things they're not very good at. Uh, and that's, that's what's plaguing this team. But at the same time, I don't know. Outside of that, that going forward on the fourth and two, I don't know what else I'm going to criticize Sark much for. Uh, instead, for when he threw the through the well, when Malik threw the interception when think, he was trying to yeah, get Jonte Cook, I think yeah. they should have been running the ball. You could right? argue feel exactly. <laughs> no, you actually feel could for argue the game. feel of the game at times that he gets a little caught up in uh, the play calling mindset of being an offensive coordinator and a play caller instead of being a head coach, and I think he gets a little preoccupied in attack mode instead of management mode. I think you got to go back and forth as a play caller head coach. you got to go back and forth from now it's attack mode, like, no, 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 now it's the time to manage the game. And I think if Texas would have managed the game, I do think there's a chance for you to blow out K-State. Sure. There's an opportunity oh, there. Were a couple. There. It was right. right? It was a, right. There were a couple opportunities. There were a couple opportunities for you to blow out K-State. I, the second time when they got up, what was it, 27-7, uh, then K-State had a little bit of confidence already. But, man, early on, there's a chance for you when you're up, what, 17-0, uh, right around that time, there's a chance for you to blow K-State out. And it's because, Sark, he, 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 did, he didn't manage the risk and didn't manage the game very well at that time. And his feel of the game was a little off because he was in attack mode. And I think if you'd have managed the game better, I think you'd blow K-State out there. And I would also say, um, and one of our texters just pointed this out, the the, the deep shot they took to Xavier Worthy when they checked to it because he got man coverage again, press man on the outside, that should have been a pass interference call. I mean, that, I mean, that, that was a horrible no call. Yeah, and that, that was a swing point in the game because it doesn't get called. You could see Sark was, was livid about it. Yeah. And then you get the punt blocked, right? And yeah. then they get a quick touchdown before the half. Who knows? That should have, would have, could have, though. But, but, but it's know. still a factor in the game. It was a, yeah. it was a big turning point, and the officials got to get that call right. I mean, it was, a, you know, typically. But you can't rely on officiating. That's the whole thing. Well, I'm like, not saying it, that, it, but it, I'm saying to the momentum of the game, he's still in attack mode. Yeah, but. And two things. If Malik makes a better throw there. Because it was beaten. It was up over the top. He it, underthrew it, it. It was, and I agree with all that. But we're not, right now we're talking about the decisions and how they affected the team. Yes, all that is true. That, yes, if he makes the throw, it's great. But we can go back all throughout and be like, if he does that and if he does that. We're talking about what actually happened. What actually happened was you allow, you breathe life into your opponent. Yeah. With the way it worked out. Sure. You, that, that comes back to you as a coach. But I do agree. Here's what I'll defense arc. If, he get, if, if, you, if they're going to do press man coverage against my receivers, I'm going to attack it. No, I, I said yeah. I, you did that early in the game, and you, you gambled and won, and that's great. But my point is that paid off. Right. This time it did not and pay it, off. But it should have. 
shoulda, woulda, coulda. E, you don't get paid for shoulda, woulda, coulda. You I get paid for results. That. And the uh, results were, a, the, a, res, the results paid off when you did it in the first half. But when your young quarterback doesn't do it, then people are going to ask the question, well, in that moment, why did you put your young quarterback in that position? So let's discuss that part. We've given them praise for the no, great I'm not, game. I'm not, I'm not, all I'm but, saying is, you're right, I don't get paid to do that. I get paid to do this. Yeah. And in my opinion, that should have been pass interference, which was a big turning don't point of the game. With that. And then the block punt, which is which can't happen, unforced errors by Texas. Uh, you can't get a punt blocked. Uh, look, they they were very fortunate to win this game, uh, but at the same time, they took advantage of the good fortune. Uh, Chris Kleiman, I think, made a bad decision in overtime. I think uh, the botch kick was you know you can't, you can't find that, but you can't pay for that kind of fortune uh, in in a football game. Uh, but in the end, the Longhorns are sitting right where they want to be, and it's uh, it's a lot more fun than what we've seen the last fourteen or fifteen years around here because uh, the Longhorns are in the mix. Let's get you caught up on the other stories, top stories of the morning as we get you rolling on a Monday. Let's hook them up with Ian Rodby. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. We start with the Longhorns, and, yeah, they're number seven in this week's AP Top 25. No change. Uh, and actually, in the top nine teams this week, week by week, one to nine exactly the same as last week. Only move came Ole Miss, jumping to the number 10 after the Longhorns pulled out that 33-30 overtime win over the K-State Wildcats. Three weeks remaining in the regular season. Texas and Oklahoma tied atop the Big 12 Conference at 5-1. and one. Steve Sarkeesian continues to be pleased with the uh, gritty nature and his team finding ways to win football games. I, I do think that, that our guys you know, are finding out about what character really means and what being a team really means and, and, and why culture is so important and why sticking together is so important. So on that note, I, I'm, I'm pumped about that because, like I said, that there's a lot of teams that, that would have played in this game today that wouldn't have won, and, and we, we continue to find a way to win, and that's, like I said, the sign of a champion. Uh, we'll hear from Sark again today as his team now turns its attention to TCU this Saturday night in Fort Worth. Longhorns have been installed as an early nine-and-a-half point favorite in that game. That has been announced as a 6.30 kick in Fort Worth, 11 o'clock this morning for the news conference. Uh, we'll get the latest on Steve Sark- excuse me, from Steve Sarkeesian on the Quinn Ewers situation. Also from college football, USC has fired their defense coordinator Alex Grinch. Uh, his defenses have given up over 44 points a game in the last six contests. Uh, USC has fallen out of contention in the in the Pac-12. Down in San Marcos, the Texas State Bobcats are bolt eligible for the first time since 2014 after their big win over Georgia Southern on Saturday. DJ Kinney's Bobcats now 6-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the Sun Belt. NFL, uh, heavyweight matchups across the league yesterday, including the Cowboys uh, facing the division lead Eagles. And the Eagles held on for a 28-23 win. Really frustrating for the Cowboys. Closing minutes, but Dak Prescott moved the team into a first and goal at the sixth. Chance to steal a win with a touchdown. Two Dallas penalties. A huge sack of Prescott by Josh Sweat. And Dallas comes up short, falls to 5-3. and three. Eagles are 8-1. and one. And Houston, meanwhile, performance for the ages for Texans rookie QB C.J. Stroud. All he did yesterday was throw for an all-time rookie record, 470 yards and five touchdowns. To lead Houston to a wild win over Tampa. Uh, 39-37. Stroud's fifth touchdown pass of the day came to Tank Dell with six seconds to play and capped a six-play, 75-yard game-winning drive over the game's final 40 seconds. Also yesterday, good one in Germany. Chiefs hold on to beat the Dolphins, 21-14. They're 7-2 now in the AFC. Baltimore also 7-2. They wall up Seattle, 37-3 yesterday. Sunday night football last night, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They're back from the dead. They've won their fourth straight game, beat Buffalo, 24-18. Week 9 wraps up tonight. Chargers and Jets on Monday night football. College basketball, Longhorns open their season tonight. Rodney Terry's 18th-ranked Horns in the preseason polls will play Incarnate Word tonight at 7 o'clock. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, when, when after the interception by Malik... 
the uh, the intercept, the first interception, of course, early on. I think when Texas gets the ball back, it's like two and a half minutes left, like a little under three minutes left in the in the game. In, sorry, in the first half. That's when you can make the argument after the interception and going into a two-minute situation where you know your defense struggles defending a two-minute defense, that Sark should have went from attack mode to management mode. Yes, manage the last couple minutes of the Manage the last few minutes to make sure, like, you know what, we're going to keep the ball. They won't get the ball back. He didn't. He was still in attack mode, and that's when they throw the deep ball, which I agree, smart move, probably was an automatic check. That's how you got up 17-0 on us because they want to foolishly play press man coverage against Texas wide receivers, and you hit them on some deep shots early. They did it again. Why not hit on it? I support it then. I support it now. But just talking about devil's advocate here and discussing all sides, you could argue at that point he should have went into management mode, and he didn't. He actually stayed – I think he threw three straight passes. He did. (laughs) He threw three straight passes, and then they got the putt block. Right. So you got the interception and your young quarterback, and I think he, he was like, no, my young quarterback, I need him to bounce back because, well, like I said, he's thinking like a quarterback. Sark's a quarterback. So he's thinking like a quarterback. Hey, if I threw an interception, what would I want? I want my coach to let me throw it again. Let me bounce back. Let yeah. me make a good play. Let's make it an easy completion. So Sark's thinking like a quarterback. They throw it. They get the incompletion. Probably should have been a P.I. Not probably. Should have been a P.I. They don't get that, so you're behind the chains. And Sark's like, all right, well, I've got to throw it because I'm behind the chains. And I want my young quarterback to get some confidence. You throw it, throw it, throw it. Then you get the uh, punt block after that. And then that's when the rails start to come off because then your defense gives up the touchdown because why? They're bad in two minutes. They always give up touchdowns late in two minutes, no matter who they are, no matter who they're going up against. So you could argue Sark not – that's not thinking like a head coach. Because the head coach goes, man, my defense is so damn bad in two minutes. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to put them in that position. I'm never going to do that again. We will keep the ball. How we keep the ball? We run the ball. We control the clock. He didn't. He was in OC coordinator play caller attack mode, which I love, but you're also head coach, and you've got to be able to shift between. You've got to be able to – um, what, what, you know, the, the, the young folks call it. you got to be able to switch. You know, pivot, a little bit. pivot. Yeah, uh, look, I don't – maybe Kyle Flood gets more involved there. I don't know what the answer is, but at the same time, I agree with you. Because, again, uh, Quinn – I mean, Quinn. Malik Murphy was not the same quarterback after the interception he threw down at the goal line uh, when it just wasn't there. It just seemed like he went from red hot to now – thinking and kind of kind of hard on himself yep. he couldn't put that behind him because the you know, after he threw that interception where he's trying to find Jonte Cook you know the, the defense stiffened forced a punt you got the ball back that's when you went back down and you went forward instead of kicking a field goal on fourth and two uh you went to the Savion Red package mm-hmm. and then you know your point the Longhorns got the ball back with 234 to go and that's when they tried to hit the deep shot to Xavier Worthy in man coverage it should have been a pass interference call and if Malik Murphy makes a better throw we aren't even talking about that. He runs to the end zone because he was behind <laughs> the corner, and he just throws it, uh, puts some loft under it. But that's why I say at that point is when Malik got struggling because, it, you know, and, you know, this maybe Sark needs to know this now about his young quarterback because it was an underthrown ball to Xavier Worthy. Then Jordan Whittington was open across the middle, and he threw it behind him, uh, which was the second. Inter- and now it's third and ten, throws it again, yeah. and it got broken up, and it was another poor throw. And now you're looking at Malik going, dude, what happened? You were yeah. on fire. Now you're throwing yeah. the ball in the dirt. Um, you know, because I mean, you know, remember on the crosser, Jordan Whittington was coming. He was going to break for, for some yardage and get a first down. Threw it way behind him. He had to come back, try to get it, and didn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at that point, Malik started to unravel. Then, they, then you get the punt block. Then they score the touchdown. But that was the incredible part because then the second half starts and you force back-to-back turnovers, Michael Tapp and Ethan Burke. And yeah. then you reestablish control of the game with a touchdown to go up 27-7. And then, of course, 
the the next couple plays were just a comedy of errors and mistakes, and all of a sudden you're you're tied in a ball game. You had no business being tied in, but yeah. that's what you just heard from Sark, the football character. You just praised it that they found a way. Uh, yes, did they get some good fortune? Sure. Did they have some bad breaks too? Uh, but that's a football game, and you'd much rather be sitting here eight and one. Uh, trying to continue no, to work totally on your team yeah. with three winnable games to come. That's because we said it all last week. If you had Quinn Ewers in that game, you blow him out. You'd feel really good. Yeah, you and I think that bared out, right? If you, you had Quinn, him. more experienced player, he doesn't throw those picks early. You blow him out. Yeah, and you, if he does, he recovers from them. Yeah, he's. We're watching Malik like Quinn last year, uh, yes. a young quarterback seeing things for the first time and dealing with it for the first time. Uh, so if you have Quinn, you win that game easily, but you still won it with your backup quarterback. Now, can they get Quinn Ewers back? And that's something we'll hear from Sark today. That would be huge. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about it. I, right now, I, I haven't heard anything, I don't know, optimistic or positive. We'll see. I mean, well, I do know that his family will be very careful with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you got a million-dollar yeah, arm there, and uh, literally. Yeah. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, you know. He's, tough. he's a tough kid. He's, I mean, he's, he's a tough young man, too. Yeah, he is. He, and I know if he – He wants to play. Yeah, like I say, if he can go, he'll go. Um, but I think for Texas, they might be thinking about – First of all, everybody's thinking about the future now. Texas is thinking about the Big 12 title game, right, and thinking about, hey, man, we got a chance to win the Big 12 here. Um, our best shot to win the Big 12 is to make sure that we got our, our guy in the Big 12 title game and healthy for the stretch run of the season. So you don't want to come back prematurely and then hurt himself again yeah. uh, and hurt himself even worse. And that also affects, as you pointed out, his future. So that goes to his representatives are like, hey, man, we want to make sure that he's 100%. So I think all of that is going to cause Texas to be a little bit more cautious. Now, on the road – that's a, you want your veteran quarterback at night on the road Fort at Worth. night on Fort Worth. So this, is, I, this becomes their yeah. Super Bowl because they're out yeah. of the mix and no, they're under trap, 500. Trap game for them. But, yeah, I mean, the truth is you can run the ball on TCU just like you could run the ball on K-State. Sark's not, it's not in his nature <laughs> to line up and hand it off over and over again. But truth is, that's why you were in that game. You know, you, you know, young quarterback starts to spiral and throws the pick. You resort right back to the running game. And that's what gets you the down yeah. the field for the Saving Red Package now. Obviously, messed it up and didn't score. But I don't even know if they threw the ball on that drive. They were just running it. And I think Sark started thinking his young quarterback, like, damn, my young quarterback. He probably noticed him, like, oh, man, I don't like well, the way he's looking now. I need him to have confidence. And then on that next drive, he comes down, and he's just with two and a half, less than three minutes left. He decides to throw it three consecutive plays. And I think the question is from Longwood fans is, well, you just went down there running the football. You're averaging damn near eight yards per carry running the football. Young quarterback struggling. Why not at that time? And your two-minute defense is really bad. That's the time to become a manager. In, in, instead of yeah, try to try to offensive that, coordinator. Even if you don't get points up. here, don't don't give them the ball yeah. back. And I think that's the that's yeah, probably I think the that's fair. I think that's 100 yeah. fair. Uh, same time, I don't think it's wrong to try to take a shot because it had gotten you quick points earlier, and the officials missed it, and Malik made a throw. But that's that's football. I'd also say this for for Texas: the uh, the, the drive in the fourth quarter when it was 27 all. When everybody in the building was on pins and needles, when they went 12 plays and kicked a field goal that Burt Auburn nailed, that was a money drive. That, that was, was drive. that showed some some championship DNA right there too, with a struggling quarterback who clearly was was not feeling very confident to move that football down the field. He hit a couple of passes to a Donnie Mitchell where he calmed down. This is why if you do have to go with Malik Murphy again this weekend, you'll feel okay that he's got that experience under his belt to go through that tailspin and weather it and come out the other side and lead your team down to retake the lead, that's big for a young quarterback. That, it that, was. You know, you walked off the field with the lead. Now, you know, got lucky that uh, or fortunate that K-State missed an easy field goal. Uh, and then, of course, we know how overtime went. You had one possession, didn't go, you know, had to kick a field goal. Can we give Burt Auburn some love? 
Money. Ever since that uh, Kansas game, he's been really good. He's been great. He's been money. Honestly, you got to give Bert Arvidsson credit, but also give Ryan Sanborn some credit. Man, oh, the punter's been, been awesome. The punter has been amazing. I, I, we haven't given him enough credit, so I'll just give him a little give shout out to right him, now. Uh, Sanborn has 24 punts this year. I think he's is averaging around 47 and a half yards per punt. Uh, he's got a long of 64. You know, long ball Dixon. The long ball Dixon, uh, who won MVP I do. I do. of a bowl game, <laughs> that guy, um, his 2017 season, he punted 84 times and averaged 47.4 yards per punt. Man, Sanborn is having a long ball Dixon-type season. And that was one of those portal moves that kind of went under the radar because it was real early in the portal. Uh. And Texas knew they – and uh, Jeff Banks knew they needed a punter and targeted him. He was a four-year starter at Stanford that's and uh, jumped in here. He's been a good one. Great pickup. Yeah, outside of Jalen Catalan, I mean, I think the, the, the portal pickups have been great. I mean, and Catalan been, came with an injury history. Yeah, he which was, you, he, when he plays, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, A.D. Mitchell, I mean, he's, where would this team be without A.D. Mitchell? He's been – Yeah, especially in the red zone. I mean, he's been great. I mean, I think he might be your best – Red zone weapon right now. Well, he's well, looking he, at it. Yeah, he's going to give. You're going to try to bracket Xavier, and that gives him man coverage, and he just he's going to beat it. He's going to beat it over and over again. I would say if whoever plays quarterback this week and moving forward, you got to get JT Sanders back more involved in the offense. I don't know where he is health wise, but I know you have a young quarterback, and he tends to not go through his progressions as much. And that's why early on when he was hot, he was he was his first read was who was open, so just let her fly. Well, um, yeah. You know, but you'd love to see JT Sanders become more involved uh, around AD Mitchell and X Man because he's just such a potent weapon, and he's almost disappeared from their their attack right they now. They used him a lot more in the uh, BYU game than they used him in this game. I'm with you. I I, I think, and it was that crucial. What was it a third, fourth, fourth? Oh, down. big throw. Yeah, big throw from um from my man Malik Murphy. That was big. That was part of that that clutch uh, series you were talking about. Um, but I'm with you. I think uh, J.T. Sanders, if he is fully weaponized, I mean, I don't know if there's a bigger matchup advantage on that offense. Um, and he's definitely a guy I think they got to use more in the red zone. I was surprised he only got – he's got two receptions. Yeah, uh, that would be something so I would look year. at. Yeah. But as far as it goes, I mean, Texas has the number one defense in the Big 12 Conference as we sit here this morning. Um, you know, TCU's down at the bottom of most statistical categories you can, defensively. You can run the you ball. You can run TCU. the rock on them. That's a, but it's not in Sark's nature. I know people are like, oh, you're going to run it 40. That's not in Sark. Sark does not want to have an offense that just hands the ball off that much. And he shouldn't because he's way too creative and way too innovative. Um, but I just think there are times in the game where he needs to become that guy. You call it the meat potatoes. Yeah. Right? There are times where he needs to become a meat and potatoes chef and not he's he's trying to be top chef or right? master chef and do all this really fancy stuff. It's like, no, 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 At that two minute, two and a half minutes left in the game. I'm sorry, in the half, you're up 17 points. Um, you got a bad two-minute defense and a backup quarterback, meat and potatoes. Just yeah. give it that meat well, and that potatoes. You don't need the culinary arts here. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, especially as good as uh, Jonathan Brooks has been. He had over 100 yards again and uh, fighting for extra yards. He did have the one turnover but and was battling a bit of an ankle. You know, But the call on fourth down to get C.J. Baxter out the gate on the right side was a great call. I mean, Brilliant. A lot of good calls, and then you know that's what football is. You, you uh, assess and reassess and criticize and uh, pick and prod. But at the end of the day, you're 8-1, and one, and you're number seven in the country. Uh, you're sitting atop the Big 12 Conference. All you could ask for, three games to go uh, to do something really special in 2023. We'll come back. Uh, more on this Cowboys discouraging loss, to say the least, last night or yesterday afternoon into the evening out there in Philadelphia, part of three or four heavyweight NFL matchups. We'll uh, go off the record before the end of the hour on this uh, Monday. We'll also get Rod behind the burnt orange curtain. Hear more from Sark after the Longhorns picked up their eighth win of the year on Saturday. Let's hook them up with Ian Rodby. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. 
A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Longhorns, a frustrating win. Frustrating win, we'll call it, right? Don't apologize, take the win, but uh, still a lot to analyze and talk about. Should it have been that close? I'll also say this, Rod, big picture. We talked all last week, this is going to be a close game. The fact that it looked like it could be a blowout with a backup quarterback was like, wow, that's really impressive, but then... We saw what happened, right? Yeah. Uh, K-State made some adjustments against a backup quarterback, got themselves back in the game, uh, rattled that young quarterback, and the Longhorns got rattled, but didn't break, didn't crack. Uh, and in the end, their defense, which held one of the best rushing teams in, the, in all of college football to 31 yards rushing, uh, after you take away sack yardage, that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, so you earned it, but you also have a lot to learn from that game too. Cowboys, how about this? Cowboys had the game's leading passer, the game's leading rusher, and Tony Pollard. They had the game's top two receivers in CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson. They didn't turn the ball over until the last play of the game, and they lost the game. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of frustration, yep. where your, your, other, your opponent at home makes a ton of mistakes, right? They, they gave you opportunities, and uh, you weren't able to take advantage of it. And, you know, it's, it's just a loss, but in the end, that's a huge loss. That's, that's a loss to your division leader. Uh, in a game that you, you – I mean, to steal one on the road, you can't even put a, put a, a, a percentage of a value on that. To go into Philadelphia and steal one where they haven't lost in a long time and, and get yourself back into the, to the race, now you take the loss uh, when you were first in goal at the six-yard line with 30 seconds to go, couldn't punch it in. Now you're going to have to you know, come back next week down two games in the division while the Eagles get rested. Now they get to chill out and take a bye week, try to get Jalen Hurts healthier, and that's, that's a stinging loss. So now you've lost to the, the 49ers in convincing fashion, one of your rivals in the NFC, and then your biggest rival, you had them out. You outplayed them, Rod, and you lost the game. Uh, yeah, I actually held the uh, Eagles rushing attack to 3.3 yards per rush, which also was phenomenal. They had one run of 10 yards, the Eagles did. Um, the, so the, and the Cowboys defense held Philadelphia to 4-3 and outs, including all three of his final drives, and still <laughs> – Cowboys couldn't find a way to well, win in clutch time. Yeah, we know that the uh, you know Dak out of bounds at the half foot line. There's just so many frustrating oh, plays. The Michael in that Gallup team. drop. Oh the, my god! Uh, Schoolmaker being short on the goal line. Uh, <laughs> Dak, you talked about out of bounds for the two point conversion. Terrence Steele's play overall. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean you Not can't up to snuff. you can't have that many critical errors and mistakes in crucial moments and expect to beat a team like the Eagles who are right now in Super Bowl contention, are considered to be the you know, best team in the in the NFC. Well, and the two touchdowns in the third quarter were huge. They got to that Cowboys secondary with the deep one to Devontae Smith and uh, then got to A.J. Brown, who's playing at a really high level. But, you know, so for the sec, they really controlled the third quarter, but the Cowboys controlled the rest of the game. And still, it's kind of like the Arizona game where, you know, 23 points wasn't going to be enough. you got to put the ball in the end zone. And they don't run the ball. Um, they can't run the ball. No. 
They I don't, know. but they can't. Yeah, I know. That's I really... don't know which one is causing the other. They don't. They they do they they can't run the ball. Is that why they don't run the ball? They don't run the ball. That's why they can't run the ball. Yeah, <laughs> chicken and egg, chicken and egg. Uh, but all I heard all off season from McCarthy is we're going to be a strong running team, but they're not. So obviously you got to figure out what you are. I still think that they're offensively. It's almost like they don't fire off. They're they're always in pass pro. And they've kind of built this thing around Dak and, and now that the receivers are coming into focus. But remember, they had the bye week to work on the run game and to, yeah. to figure it out. And instead, they've come out more of a passing team than ever I think before. they worked on the pass game in the bye week. Agreed. Mostly. And that's what they fixed. They also, fix the run game. ultra impressive from Sunday, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins Chiefs game in Germany, Rod, got up early to watch that. Not early, but for us, that's mm-hmm. got to sleep hey, yeah, in. Football on at 9 a.m. 8.30, yeah, yeah, it's good. good well, look, the, the – the Chiefs got to give them a ton of credit because I've said it since I saw them play Jacksonville in week two. They're a defensive team now. They're, they're a defensive team with an elite quarterback. Their offense is – look, they scored two touchdowns yesterday mm-hmm. against the Dolphins. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, you could tell he's really frustrated. He still has got – you know, they're doing a great job of, of taking Kelsey out of the game. Uh, he's got guys that step up in spurts but not consistently. But they're winning games because their defense and their coverage, their ability to cover, and, you know, they, they rebuilt their secondary through the draft – they're really good. I mean, they, they did a great job against the Dolphins yesterday, holding that team to 3 of 12 on third down, holding that team to 14 points in Germany. They can really cover, Rod. I mean, they're, they're secondary and their linebackers are really fast. And, uh, you know, they've, done, they've hit on those draft picks, and those guys are developing into really good players. No, it's, but it's, I, I cannot believe they didn't make more of a splash move at the, in the wide, wide receiver position before the trade deadline. I just cannot believe it considering how inept – they are at wide receiver and how bereft they are of talent at wide receiver. And, and they got the best quarterback in the league. And, and it makes life so much easier on their opposing uh, on opposing defenses when they can just game plan to bracket and roll coverage to wherever Travis Kelsey is. So that, I think that's going to end up costing them. I think it's going to come back to haunt them. Like the Cowboys, they went with hope as a strategy at wide receiver. And that is not an organization that usually does that, but they did it this time. Yeah. They did it this time, and I well, think I it's think they, a game coaching mistake. I also think in, you know, hope can be replaced with they, they know as their culture they develop players. And look at the secondary, right? Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie are playing as all pro level at corner. They drafted and developed. They are trying to draft and develop the Sky Moors and the uh, Rasheed Rice. Not right. working out. It's not working out it, like it, their it, corners it, 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 are. You're right. It's a great point about development. You have to understand, though, some teams, they just have a blind spot at certain positions in terms of drafting and developing those guys. And I don't know if the Chiefs have drafted. And, I mean, Tyreek Hill, that's their, that's their guy. They, unless they let Tyreek Hill go because they don't want to pay him. Right? It's worked out well for them and for him. Um, but, man, sometimes I love Veach. I think he's one of the best top three GMs in all of the NFL. I think sometimes they're a little too cheap. They they keep talking about team-friendly deals. Patrick Mahomes took a team-friendly deal. That gave them a lot more money to sign other big-time players. Um, that They hadn't paid Chris Jones. Yet they just paid Chris Jones. They hadn't paid Chris Jones. They, they're going to they, pay Chris Jones. They got Chris Jones back in on a one-year deal. One year, but they're going to pay him, I, I think. They think. They think, right? But, but what's the point of the team-friendly deal for Patrick Mahomes if you couldn't sign him, couldn't sign Tyreek Hill either? I thought the whole point of the team-friendly deal so I can sign the great players and we can retain them, but you let Tyreek Hill go. Okay, so where's that money? Is it, can't Chris Jones get that money? If he's not getting the money, then who's getting the money? Because Travis Kelsey is also the best bargain offensively in the league because he is, gets, gives you the production of a wide receiver, but you pay him like a tight end. So you're not paying him top-dollar value either. 
you're not paying Mahomes top dollar value. Um, you're not paying Chris Jones top dollar value. You let Tyreek Hill walk. You just revamped the O-line and the secondary through the draft. So where's the money? Where's the money, E? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. You know what I mean? Like, where's the money? Well, and they should have done – I agree with you. They should have done something <laughs> splashier at the deadline to find a receiver. I just don't know if there are any available uh, once the uh, – the Buccaneers said we're keeping Mike Evans. I don't know if there was one to go get, but at the same time, they're seven and two. They and the yeah. Baltimore Ravens sitting atop the AFC That's right good. now uh, at seven and two, and the Ravens might be the most complete team that they're they shellacked Seattle. They Remember good. two weeks ago, Detroit came into town and, and at six and two, and they beat the daylights out of the Lions, who we know are a pretty darn good team. Seattle, we think, is pretty good, thirty-seven to three. Couldn't move the ball, um, couldn't do anything. That's that's two NFC contenders that have come into their building the last three weeks that have just gotten flattened. So Baltimore is the real deal. Yeah. And, and offense, man. We tried to warn y'all. Don't you Todd Monk in offense adding Lamar Jackson's legs with a space and air raid offense with the with the Baltimore Ravens weapons. You picked him to win a division. I just picked him to be in the MVP conversation. I think he might be because there's no runaway MVP right now. There isn't. There's nobody running away with it. All right, so there's some NFL chatter. Cowboys fans discouraged and disappointed this morning, safe to say, but probably not surprised. They've seen that before. Uh, let's get to the uh, behind the burn orange curtain, though. Longhorns are sitting number seven in the country. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about the Longhorns and their dramatic win over the Kansas State Wildcats, conquering the Purple Kryptonite once again. I got to start with the defense. I think that's where it starts and it ends, and we got to give props to this defense. That was one of the greatest defensive uh, performances for a, a Texas rush defense that we've seen probably in the last 20-some years. Now you're like, that's crazy. That's, that's maybe being hyperbolic. Actually not. Um, they allowed, they held Kansas State to the fewest rushing yards for a Kansas State Wildcat offense since 2014. As we went into that game, I'm telling you they were a top five rushing offense, had the second most 10 plus yard rush plays in the country, the most in the Power Five. They had two, a duo of dual threat quarterbacks that could hurt you in Avery Johnson and in Will Howard. And by, I don't know, maybe midway through the third quarter. They had completely abandoned the running game. They just abandoned it. Uh, man, they took it out in the backyard and shot it and buried it. Like, it's, it was done. They were running empty formation and throwing the football. They became a pass-first team because Texas took the run game away. Um, Byron Murphy, a uh, great sound from Corey Mose of KVU. Byron Murphy was asked by Chip Brown about this game and the defensive performance. Um, loved what he had to say. Here is Byron Murphy. What kind of message did you all send in not allowing the top rushing offense to run for anything today? Well, the, the message we sent was that we will not, we will not allow you to run the ball on this. And we, we don't care who you is. We're going to strap up and we're going to play. You ain't going to run the ball on Texas. And honestly, they're right. I, nobody's really run the ball on Texas. Alabama did a little bit early on. They made the adjustment and bowled their back, and then they put the kibosh on that. Um the Oklahoma did it with a non-traditional run game, quarterback draw, quarterback scrambles. But with a traditional run game, nobody's really been able to run the ball consistently against Texas. Hell, you even had some uh, head coaches like Dana Hogerson essentially admit, no, we didn't even try. It wasn't even part of the game plan. <laughs> we weren't even going to go there. They just threw the football and decided to go pass first the entire time. And, you know, teams that are run first, they're bad matchups. 
uh, against Texas. It's a good matchup for Texas, but usually those are bad matchups. And this was a bad matchup initially for K-State because they were a run-first team. Now, they were one of the best run-first offenses in the country, but turns out it doesn't matter. that If you're going up against this Texas rush defense, that's how stout they are. And it starts right up front with the the, the rock of Gibraltar, if you will, that the war daddy right now, Tavondre Sweat, who is considered, or at least by pro football focus grades, he, he is the second highest graded defender in all of college football, but the highest graded D tackle in all of college football right over now. Over 90. He's getting himself, he's working himself into being a first round talent or he's getting a first round grade in the NFL. And that's kind of where it starts this rush defense with him and Byron Murphy. We just heard from Byron Murphy right there at the point of attack. By the way, he's also graded out as a top 10 D tackle by Pro Football Focus nationally. So it's not like he's, he's a, it's a huge drop-off between Toronto Sweat and Byron Murphy. Both those guys are playing at high levels. As a matter of fact, I think the last time Texas had a D tackle combo as good as Toronto Sweat and Byron Murphy. And by the way, they are not close to these guys. But I'm just saying that they've been this impactful. You might have to go back to Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers when he had two of them like this. Yeah. Right? I mean, you've been around here a long time. What's the last time we had two of them like this? No. Well, I mean, last year with, with Coburn and, and Ojimo and all these guys. Yeah, they the, were great. They were great. They, they were like a – they were at the, at the deepest room. I don't know if Coburn but and you know what? I, I Ojimo saw, were the two, two front-line starters. I don't know if they were this good. Props to uh, our friends over at Longhorn Network because after the game they had Tavondre Sweat up with them in the booth. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Michael Griffin and those guys, uh, Lowell Galindo. And they asked him about his relationship with Byron Murphy, and he said, no, no, we talk. We, we, we take it upon ourselves. <laughs> you know, we, we work together. Like, they, they have this really cool chemistry. Yeah. Uh, and they do see themselves as a duo. Like, I mean, I, you know, if I get double teamed, you're going to win the play, vice versa, right? We're, gonna, we're working together. They yep. study film together. Uh, you can tell those guys have a great bond. And, you know, it's, it's arguably the best. I mean, ask Alabama. Uh, you know, ask K-State. Yep. Uh, teams that, that like that and pride themselves on being able to run the ball, can't run the ball. Not on them dudes. You know who else really likes that dude is those two right there is Jalen Ford because they, they clean up for him and he's able to run and make tackles, fill Eight holes. Points. And he led the team in tackles again on Saturday. So Big game for him too. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, 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 you, when, you, when you strip away, because, again, you've got to make a team beat you left-handed, right? That's what every defensive coach says. And they did, and unfortunately for, for PK, they continue to almost beat you with their left hand. Yeah, and I mean, we, but that's right. That kind of tracks. We've been, we've been talking. We, 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 I've been saying all year long, and I think everybody agrees. You, you go pass first against Texas. K State. I said it before the game. I said if you want to, you know, win big games, you got to break tendency. If I was K State, I probably would have come in and throwing the football. You can throw it open well, up you, the run. You kind of know Sonny Dykes is going to have that same mindset. Yeah, too. But, that, but Texas will be ready for that. I think K State came in throwing the football right. like they did to end that game. Right. There's a good chance they catch Texas by surprise. Then Texas adjusts, and then that adjustment opens up the run game a little bit. They didn't. They started differently. But give Texas credit because in the end, there's a, it's their second game-winning goal line stand of the season. That's really impressive. And they did it with PK making an adjustment that I've been begging for all season long. And I'm, I'm so happy he did it. In overtime, they finally moved Jade Barron to corner in their 40 personnel package, those are not 40 personnel. It's just four defensive backs on the field instead of your five with your nickel package. He plays nickel, usually aligned to the field, and all season long against Baylor, even against BYU, even in this game against K-State, mostly run-first teams when they win heavier personnel, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, they would take Jaday Barron off the field. Second or third best defensive player, take him off the field, 
in because he was a nickel, and then they would have basically their 40 personnel without Jade Barron on the field. It was I couldn't explain it, and it was a stupid thing to do. And I'm finally excited that PK. I don't maybe he was saving it, but he did it in four of the five plays in overtime defensively. I think that's a big part of what. Hope they keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you play well, another team yes. like Iowa State that may stress you yes. that way. Schematically, they, they were able to hold them. I think a big part of it was the simple adjustment, keeping your best player on the field. Uh, one of your best players on the field. All right, uh, behind the burn orange curtain, Longhorns will will. Uh... Await Sark's news conference this morning at 11 o'clock or just after to hear the uh, very latest, the injury report coming out of this game. Longhorns did take some injuries. Remember, Christian Jones, the right tackle, didn't even start. He didn't play in the game. Got hurt during practice last week. So they had uh, Cam Williams out there making his debut. Uh, Kelvin Banks had to leave the field for a little bit after that, uh, that, that interception that he had to make the tackle on. Uh, so the Longhorns are a little bit banged up here. Uh, yeah. But obviously the biggest injury update will be on Quinn Ewers. Uh, the Texas quarterback, do we get anything more than week to week, or is there some optimism that maybe he could see the field here soon? We'll hear that coming up later this morning. Uh, good stuff. Rod has a rant coming up as well in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, coming back, we're going off the record. Stories you may have missed that uh, you need to know on this Monday. It's a good, bad, and ugly Monday on Hogan D.D. Megadoodoo. I'm sorry. Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break, man. It's cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, what a weekend. Off the record stories you need to hear. It's National Nacho Day. National Nacho Day. You a big fan of nachos, Ron? Oh, what? Who doesn't love nachos, man? love loaded nachos. They're delicious. And you can have them in so many, so many varieties to nachos. I mean, you can go fajita nachos. You can just go regular. Oh, beef nachos. Oh, beef nachos. You don't even need meat. Some people just want the cheese and the beans. Jalapenos. Jalapenos. Oh, man, nachos are always good. And you can make them at home. You can go kind of like. Homemade nachis. Sure you can. Good. Today is natural nacho day. Damn good. Uh, the chip is the key to a good nachi, though. The chip is actually underrated because you can't, you can't load up your nachis unless you got a quality chip. The integrity of the chip does matter. I'm trying to think the best nachos. Right? I think. Uh, oh, man. That's, that's, a, oh, that's tough. Honestly, the best ones might be made at home. Mm, well, I usually get the best ones. I don't usually make nachos at home. Oh, dude, um, we make nachos all the time. You don't know what you're missing out on, man. It gets I like that. Grilled chicken. Oh, hey, uh, Ty, what is the what is the mm. barbecue place that used to be or maybe still is in the uh, Mean Eye Cat bar right there on Fifth Street? Um, Remember this? Was it Salt Lake? I don't. I don't. I don't. Remember they used to have or stubs. They used to have because I, I remember going Ooh, there one time and I ordered some brisket nachos. Ooh, yes, well done with the brisket queso and yeah. then the brisket and then the nachos. Oh, Probably one of the one of the uh, top top delicacies Damn of all you, time. E, I'm hungry now. <laughs> That's exactly I, right. We got a well, you know why? Because it's show. also we fell back, so our our stomachs are still at ten o'clock and it's only nine o'clock. That is also true. <laughs> hey, I appreciated that extra hour though, man. That actually worked out well for me this it weekend. Did. That was good. Seventy uh, percent of American, but seventy percent of people in America don't like it. They don't like the fall, even though they gain an hour. They don't like it. Just the whole change in body. Rhythm thing. Americans deal. don't like change. That's right. So stop changing it. <laughs> they don't like change. That's okay. Change for no reason at all. Uh, all right, can I give you a, a, something off the record here? Off the record. Hit me. Okay, so Jerry Jones, 
He has a famous quote. Can, can we play the first, play the short one here uh, first, Ty? Because this is a famous Jerry Jones quote that we've actually taken the drop from and used. But he used this years ago when referring to uh, the Dallas Cowboys' ultimate goal. I, too, have been here 23 years. And uh, it is a reminder I've been here when it was glory hole days, and I've been here when it wasn't. And so having said that, uh, uh, I want me some glory hope. Okay. So I have that perspective. Thank you, Jerry. Okay, now that was Jerry, what was that? Seven, eight years ago? That was a long time Maybe ago. Maybe longer than that. Was, that was a long, long time ago. And Glory Hole, of course, the, the oil gusher. Yes. Is he talking about? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I don't know if Jerry knows that there are multiple meanings for this now in the day and age. And maybe he doesn't. Um, but he brought it up again. He was hanging out at 105 through the fan. And once again, can we have this tie? Jerry Jones, one of his favorite references, I guess. Now there are hundreds of thousands of fans uh, piling in right now, and they're all listening to Jerry Jones. And what's your message to all the people that are walking around this parade today, taking in all this stuff that's going on, all the celebration for this team? What do you want to say to all these fans out here? Uh, sports, sport, uh, sport. Uh, the uh, rough times that you have with sport, everybody has it. Everybody, you can't really play unless you have some hard times. Uh, but it is the absolute glory hole <laughs> to have that uh, elusive win to be the champion. And I'm so proud for every fan that is out here that's headed that way and the ones that are at home. I'm proud for every every one of them. And uh, it has really been, uh, you might say, one of the reasons that I wanted to spend my every day and life in the world of sport. Now they're okay, there that you go. Once obviously... again, he's dropping it again. Hey, well, glory hole for him is like, uh, I used to say the term honey hole a lot. because That's like a fishing term, right? When you're out fishing, yeah, you're honey looking hole. for the honey yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a... where the fish are biting. I agree. And Ty goes out to, to the bars. He's looking for the honey hole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I don't know if Jerry understands that, you know, that, that has multiple meanings. That's all. He drops that term a lot. He's dropping it again. That's, 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 that's that was a before, phrase for him. before they lost to the Eagles. Though, and that so. obviously was at the Rangers victory yeah. parade and celebration on Friday, which coming up in our Who Said That Who segment, Rod. Who said that? Corey Seager, the MVP, he took it. He, 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 uh, he had a shot fired right at Alex Bregman and the Astros. So the rivalry takes another step. They've been taking subtle It's shots. on. Oh, they've it's good. Taking, it's good. Oh, yeah, because all Ranger fans were like, yes. Seager just gave it to Alex Bregman right back in his pie hole. <laughs> in his pie hole, there's a lot of hole talking around. A lot of hole talk. <laughs> it's Nacho Day. It is Nacho Day. <laughs> hey, we'll roll on. We'll talk uh, Texas football, obviously. I like this one. This is kind of a bumper sticker sum up, sum up of the Longhorn game. First quarter, Quinn's never going to see the field again. Quarters two, three, and four. Quinn can have my shoulder ligaments. Get him back on the field. <laughs> <laughs> the, the range of emotions. The yeah. roller coaster yeah. emotions. Long court fans are on. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> Quinn's done. This is over. Put him in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Now y'all miss Quinn, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's all right. Well, what, what did we say last year? When, you're, when a young quarterback is learning the process, this is kind of what it looks like. This is how the sausage gets made. Uh, Quinn looked just like that in some games last year uh, as teams figured him out. Uh, it happens. you got to go through the process to learn it. We'll pick it up on the other side. Uh, more on Texas. They sit at number seven, the Big 12 race with Oklahoma State and the Longhorns now clear front runners. Also the rest of the college football picture, the NFL. Uh, and, yes, we'll get around to who said that at who the end of next that? hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.